Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the Oceanio Seychelles Show. The show where we compare our maps of existence, explore the explorable, experience experience, think about our thoughts, and talk about that which is beyond words. I am your host, Oceanio Seychelles. Today, I will start with a short story of my own writing. And then I will talk a little about two other religious or mythological stories that I will relate to. By analyzing and reflecting on mythological and religious stories, we can actually learn and gain much useful information for our daily life. Even though I will only briefly talk about these stories, there will be much that I won't bring up or haven't even thought about myself. Therefore, I encourage every single one of you to reflect for yourself the meaning and impact these stories have for you. Storytelling is the oldest form of magic. That is why we call writing spelling. So listen tightly and let these stories do their work on you. I'm quite excited for this one, and I hope you will find the content as useful as I have. This episode I dedicate to the beloved. Let's begin. I used to be a moon once upon a time, big and bright in the sky, a guiding light in the darkness. There used to be a sun whose light I used to reflect. That sun made me shine, and it made me shine so brightly. For the people lost in the darkness, that light was enough. But for me, it was always somebody else's light. I enjoyed the warmth of the sunlight against my cold lunar surface. I knew that for the sun, I was just as the night was for me. But the sun also had the day where I could not go, and I knew this would not last. I would not shine forever in the light of the sun but I had to turn into that source of light myself. The impermanence of being pulled us apart, but so did my admiration and the wish to become like that which I admired. As I entered the darkness, a hooded figure appeared, holding a lantern. He passed the lantern over to me, took his hood off, and I saw that it was my son. What am I supposed to do with this? I asked. That's for you to figure out, the figure said as he disappeared. And I knew that the light I was given was meaning itself. Around me, there were a few other lanterns far away in the dark. There were a few calls to come over by the ones bearing the light. This frightened me as I knew the ones holding those lanterns had received them just as I had. For I knew they were just as lost as I was, waving their lanterns like anglerfish in the dark, trying to gain a seeker to follow them, to trap them with their tiny lantern light, pretending to be a sun, ultimately devouring whoever came across them in their own hybris. They had become those who preyed upon those who were just as lost as they were. I put away my lantern, 
Without something for it to shine upon, it became useless in the darkness. And I did not want to become like those anglerfish. So I continued into the dark, to find the place that was the darkest, furthest away from any light that could stray me away. Still, I hoped for some kind of light as the darkness and hopelessness would consume me. At first, it was very dark, so dark I could not see anything. And I tried to shine and shine and shine, but it was just so dark. I was devastated that my son had gone away, devastated that I was lost in my own darkness. But I did not want the sun. I did not need the sun. Not if I could be a sun and shine upon the many moons of this world. I did not know what to pray to, but I did. I did not know who would help, but I hoped. But all I saw was darkness, and it was empty. But the darkness became less and less scary, and more and more comforting. So the emptiness turned from something to avoid into something meaningless. That is, without good or bad meaning, and therefore without good or bad value. There was joy in this stillness. One day, I saw a light, and in a fit of hope I chased it, but it went away. Maybe I was the one to scare it off. I had gotten too excited, and I needed to start again. When I came back to my stillness, there was another light. This time I recognized the light, and it was a light of a moon. But how can there be a lit moon without a sun, I wondered. Then I realized, I had become what I had admired. The sun sits in darkness, not needing someone to shine upon it. There is no light upon the sun, for the sun is light itself. It is in the dark where the sun starts to shine. I was filled with joy as I saw the moon lighting the way for another in the darkness, just as I had once done when I used to be a moon. This is my joy. This is my love. This is my light. Dear moon, know that I love you for who you are, and I will shine upon you for as long as you need. Seeing you shine upon the darkness makes my heart go wild. When it is time, and you take the step, I too shall wait for you here in the darkness, hoping that you can find the way to your own light. But for now, let's just sit in this moment. Without the darkness, I would not shine. Without you, I would not know that I could. And so, I encourage your potential. But my love for you is in this moment as well. And you might not think that you are much, but to me, you are everything. And so my light is my love letter to you. 
the watcher and the seen, the giver and the receiver, the lover and the loved. The sounds and the pauses that make up the rhythmic music of the universe. Opposites in harmony for each other. And that concludes the end of my own short story. Uh, the next one I will read is from the Christian Bible, and it's the story of Jesus' 40 days in the desert, from Matthew 4, verse 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God, and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. It was after this moment that Jesus started preaching. The third story I shall now read to you is about the Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama, as he sat and meditated under the Bodhi tree, and was tempted by the demon Mara. As he was about to become the Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama sat in meditation under the Bodhi tree. Mara, the demon of desire, death and rebirth, sent his beautiful daughters in order to seduce Siddhartha. Siddhartha was not moved and remained in meditation. This angered Mara, who sent armies of monsters to attack him. But they could not touch Siddhartha as he continued his meditation under the Bodhi tree. When Mara had both failed to tempt, scare and hurt Siddhartha, he tried a different tactic. He said that enlightenment belonged to higher beings, such as himself, and not a mortal human like Siddhartha. His soldiers loudly claimed that they were Mara's witness of enlightenment, and Mara ridiculed Siddhartha, asking, And who will speak for you? Siddhartha put his right hand down and touched the earth, and he said, The earth shall be my witness. And then the earth spoke, I bear witness to you. And so Mara disappeared, and Siddhartha Gautama gained enlightenment and became a Buddha. And that concludes the story on when 
Siddhartha Gautama became enlightened and became a Buddha. Now, I'm not comparing myself to these great or enlightened beings. For like you, I do have a lot of work ahead. And I'm not going to place any value whether or not these people existed in history or not. But in my worldview, even if there was no actual human that started these movements, there must have still be some kind of force, uh, just like an idea can be seen as a force of nature, that started them. Uh, and this force can be seen as a person, even though they aren't human, uh, because they tend to gain a life of their own. But my point is to point towards the similarities to, between these stories, and the importance to work with one's shadow self. It's my plan to at some point to have an episode on the Jungian shadow archetype, or perhaps the most commonly discussed Jungian archetypes. Uh, however, that is not the plan for today. Uh, today I simply want to point out the challenges these characters had to face. Uh, especially in the Christian church today, there is a narrative on how we should avoid the devil at all costs, for he will tempt us and lead us towards damnation. And yes, we are facing every day these challenges and temptations that can break us and bring us down to our own hell on earth. But in order to break free and become our own sons, we must face the darkness. For just as Jesus and the Buddha overcame their temptations by facing them rather than avoid them, actually they didn't just overcome them, but they became who they are now known as because they overcame them. Jesus would not have been Jesus without Satan's temptations. Siddhartha would not have been the Buddha without Mara's temptations. We cannot shine without the darkness to shine in. For without any darkness, there wouldn't be any light to distinguish itself from the darkness. In Jungian or inner alchemy, the first step of the alchemical process to turn a mind of lead into a mind of gold is called nigredo or blackening. And it is regarded as the initial breakdown of a substance. The death that one has to go through to initiate a rebirth. One can liken it to the process of fermentation to make wine. Letting old fruits die and decay in order to transform into something new. Spirit. In the alchemical model of self-transformation... Uh, there is usually an emphasis on the process of distillation. But without the initial fermentation, there is nothing to distill. I understand that you hold on to those grapes that were once so sweet, that served you so well and filled your belly. But they are turning bad. And they have better use if we transform them into wine. The way that I view these demons, or challengers, is not as an outside threat that we must deny, but a force that exists within us, both individually and collectively. It is our aggressive side, it is our selfish side, it is our weak side, and it's the side of ourself that we don't recognize as ourselves. 
But in order to grow beyond that, we must also face it. Demons don't go away by putting on a blindfold or hiding under our blanket. They might be out of sight and out of your conscious mind, by, but by not recognizing them, you put them in the realm of the unconscious instead of the conscious, allowing them to unconsciously run rampant in our lives, making ourselves and those around us miserable. But bringing them into the conscious, we can deal with them and use them to break ourselves free and to support our best sides, so that we can shine upon this existence. So do your shadow work, for it is your chains that will force you to set yourself free. Thank you for listening. I love you all as the beautiful beings that you are. And see you next time on the Oceanio Seychelles Show. Ami Tofu.